0: Section 19 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. Nick Carter's Ghost Story, Chapter 9. The Diamond Clasp. They then left the room. Nick dispatched Patsy secretly to the Stevens' house. Shortly before noon, Colonel Richmond, Horace, and Nick took a train for the city. At two o'clock they entered the vault of the Safe Deposit Company. It is a long room below the level of the street. The walls are lined with metal drawers, fastened by locks of the most approved pattern. The drawers near the floor are the largest. They are, perhaps, a foot square, as seen when closed. Near the top of the room, they are much smaller. A movable metal step ladder stands ready for the convenience of those who wish to reach the boxes on the upper tiers. The space in the middle of the room is railed off, and there sits a guard day and night. "'This is ours,' said the colonel, advancing toward one of the larger drawers." i placed the diamond clasp on the very top of the pile of jewels within it was in a case of its own nick turned to speak to the officer in charge he questioned him regarding the possibility of any person taking anything from the boxes he asked especially about the custody of mrs pond's jewels colonel richmond and mrs pond have the two keys necessary for opening the drawer said the official yes said colonel richmond "'speaking over his shoulder to Nick. "'I told you all about that, "'and I explained how the second key happened to be in my possession "'instead of Mrs. Pond's.' "'True,' said Nick apologetically. "'That was not what I was asking about.' "'At that moment he heard the click of the drawer as it was pulled open. "'Here, wait for me,' he cried. "'I should see everything.' As he stepped forward, Horace Richmond was just closing the little case, which had held the diamond clasp. The colonel was turning away. "'I am deeply disappointed,' he said. "'The clasp is there.' As the colonel walked away with bowed head, Nick turned to Horace. The young man's face was a study. He looked as if he had seen a graveyard full of ghosts. "'Nick Carter,' he whispered, "'this is dreadful.' What? Hush! I had to fool him. I positively had to, or he would have gone crazy. He poured the words into Nick's ear in an excited whisper. I made him think the clasp was in the box, but it isn't. I substituted another piece. The clasp is gone. What shall we do? He showed Nick the box. It contained nothing. Horace had removed the piece which he had used in the deception. "'Good heavens!' cried Horace. "'He heard me!' He pointed to the colonel, who stood like one who has been struck upon the head. "'Gone!' he cried, rushing toward them. "'You deceived me!' Well, they searched the drawer, and the clasp certainly was not there. Horace explained how he had deceived the colonel by quickly putting another piece of jewelry "'into the little case when he found it empty. "'I am clever at sly of hand,' said he, "'or I could never have worked it. "'I just flashed it before your eyes, uncle, "'and made you think that you saw the clasp. "'Forgive me. I thought it was the best.' "'I will forgive you, Horace,' said Colonel Richmond, gently. "'But now you must believe. "'And you, too, Mr. Carter. "'Here is proof positive.' They locked the drawer and left the vault. In the antechamber, Nick turned to Horace. I suppose you'll want to knock my head off when I tell you what I now propose to do, said the detective, but I think it ought to be done. What is it? asked Horace. I think you ought to be searched. Exactly my own idea, said Horace. It is only fair to you. Proceed. Nick searched him. The diamond clasp was not found. Horace certainly did not have it. "'I hope you're satisfied,' he said to Nick. "'You know perfectly well that I have had no opportunity to dispose of it. There wasn't much chance in that vault.' Nick laughed. "'I should say not,' he replied. "'I'm afraid we shall have to fall back upon the theory of the colonel.' "'No theory,' cried he, "'but the living truth, and now proven before you both, "'But let me ask, Mr. Carter, "'why you suspected my nephew of taking the clasp.' "'I didn't,' replied Nick promptly. "'I searched him in order to remove every possibility. "'Surely he would have no motive for such an action.' "'None that I can see,' said Nick, with perfect sincerity. "'They proceeded at once to Mrs. Stevens's house. "'It was about seven o'clock when they arrived. "'They drove up from the station.' "'and on the way picked up Patsy. "'During the remainder of the drive, "'he was busy communicating with Nick in their sign language. "'Miss Stevens is in her room,' said Patsy. "'She has had a doctor with her almost all the time. "'He refuses to say anything. "'I believe, upon my soul, that I shot her last night.' "'Annie O'Neill, the servant, answered the bell. "'She ushered them into the parlor,' and said that Mrs. Stevens was in the room of her daughter, who was quite ill. Annie went upstairs to summon her mistress. A minute later, the party below heard a scream. Then Mrs. Stevens appeared. She was very pale. In her hand, she held a small object wrapped in paper. "'I have just found this upon my daughter's pillow,' she said. "'I have not removed the paper, but I know instinctively what is within.' It is another jewel. I am equally sure of it, cried the colonel. Open the package, Mrs. Stevens. My hand trembles so, the lady began. Don't open it now, said Nick. Wait a moment. I have a suggestion to make. And, at any rate, we all know what is within. Colonel Richmond, I suppose it is useless to plead with you further? Quite useless, said the colonel. "'Millie shall have all the jewels. "'I am determined to buy them of my daughter "'and make the transfer at once.' "'Well, I am beaten,' said the detective. "'The case has gone against me, "'but I will still try to help you. "'I wish to call your attention "'to the legal aspects of this case. "'They may surprise you, "'but, before going further, "'I think you should know them. "'You will not accept my authority "'if I state the facts as they are.' "'Mrs. Stevens, is it not true that you have one of the judges of the Supreme Court as your neighbor?' "'Yes. Judge Lormore is our next neighbor on the South. "'Will you kindly send your servant to his house, or perhaps—' He glanced at Horace. "'All right, I'll go,' said Horace. "'I know the judge, but I don't see what you are driving at, Mr. Carter.' I want to persuade Colonel Richmond to get the law in the case before he goes further. He should consult an authority about this transfer before he makes any more promises which may or may not be legally good. I think it a good idea, said Colonel Richmond. Horace, go over to the judge's house. During the interval while he was gone, very little was done. Mrs. Stevens sat holding the package, and apparently deeply moved. She several times declared to Colonel Richmond that she did not wish her daughter to get the jewels in such a way, and that she was still convinced that human beings had planned and executed the whole strange series of robberies and surprises. "'If it should prove,' said Nick, "'that this is a conspiracy, do you wish any arrests?' He turned toward the Colonel as he spoke. "'If it does,' said the Colonel, with a smile, "'you can arrest me.' it won't but i am serious so am i of course if there had been a crime i would not shield the guilty parties whoever they might be at that moment horace returned with judge lorimar whom he had met walking just beyond mrs stephen's grounds i have tried to explain the case to him said horace but he says he doesn't understand how any legal complications can arise "'We will try to make that clear presently,' said Nick. "'Mrs. Stevens, open that package. "'No, wait a moment. "'You are agitated. "'You should have a glass of water. Permit me to ring.' "'He put his hand upon the bell cord. "'As he did so, Mrs. Stevens opened the package. "'The article within rolled out upon her lap. "'It was not the diamond clasp, "'but an ordinary pocket knife of large size.' "'Why, Nick, it's yours!' cried Patsy. "'So it is,' responded the detective. "'But this is a diamond clasp.' He drew the relic of the Third Crusade from his pocket as he spoke, and handed it to the colonel. At that moment, Annie O'Neill appeared at the door in answer to the bell. "'And now,' said Nick, while the other stared in wonder, "'we will consider the legal points involved.' "'Judge Lorimar,' Here are the necessary blank forms. Please grant me warrants for the arrest of Horace Richmond and Annie O'Neill for criminal conspiracy. End of section nineteen. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.